0: Welcome to the MBA Jam podcast
1: with your host, Avinash Bajaj. Hi folks, welcome to the MBA Jam. This is your host and founder, Avinash here. This is the first time I'm trying out video recording. So in case you guys are seeing video of me and John, hello. (laughs) Hey. (laughs) Today I'm talking to someone who has not only done MBA, but he's also someone who talks about MBA all day long. So today, hopefully, you'll get a perspective, not just on how MBA contributed to John's own career, but you'll also get to hear what motivated him to make MBA a central theme of his current career. Today, we're talking to John Cousins. John is currently the CEO of MBA ASAP, or MBA as soon as possible. (laughs) Um, Yep,
0: any of those.
1: (laughs) MBA ASAP helps you learn skill sets that makes you more valuable at your job. It helps you start something on the side, or it also lets you quit your job and start your own business. In fact, John has been running his own podcast and YouTube channel with the same name of MBA ASAP and blogs at MBA ASAP.com. John has been running this business for three plus years. We'll find out more about John's motivation and experience later in the show. Besides that, John is also a professor at uni- the University of New Mexico, teaching new venture strategies and managing and operating growing businesses. From what I can gather, John is also an intriguing pianist. (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) And has also published books on a wide variety of business subjects, history, literature, and music. John has done his MBA from Wharton after studying electronics from MIT and music and media production from Boston University. So some strong caliber of educational institutions there.
0: John, welcome to the show. Thanks, Avanish. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you very much.
1: No worries at all. Yeah, you go on. You able to say something?
0: Oh no, I was just wondering uh, where would, where would be the best place to start? Maybe with some of my my history and how I came to my MBA or something. Or
1: yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I think I'm, I'm liking this video recording because you know I can actually see when you might be wanting to say something as opposed to audio I've been doing so far. So. Yeah, I think I think that would be a great um, start uh, as to how you got to where you have come, and uh, how you you think an MBA contributed towards your um, journey so far.
0: That's great. Yeah, the the MBA, and that's that's that is important. What you what you say? Uh, the video adds an extra level of queuing, and so you can see each other. And right, if I go, and you know, I wanted to say something. <laughs> the uh, well, let's see. I started. Um, well, my history is uh, I went to, and thanks for that introduction, to. Uh, I lived in Boston. I actually grew up in New Jersey in the suburbs and uh, would travel into New York City from time to time and, you know, thought that that was, I would go there for concerts mostly and things when I was in high school, you know, and uh, it just seemed too big and too overwhelming. But uh, then almost, uh, I didn't know enough. You know, when you're in high school, that's your whole life. You know, you're circumscribed by all the things that happen in high school. And once I, uh, I, I made the decision to go to Boston, it was a lucky one, but it was just the right size city for me. It was a place where there was a lot going on, but it was easy to get around. And uh, there was tons of, there's like 500 college institutions and about a half a million students of that age. And so everything sort of catered to that age range. And I just, I ate it up. And I started out in mechanical engineering at Northeastern University, thinking a very practical career. I'm going to be a mechanical engineer, you know. And uh, I, I decided I was really going to be studious. You know, high school was great, but now I'm going to buckle down. And I did very, very well. I got, you know, straight A's and really did it. And then I, they had a work-study program there, and I ended up uh, – taking a semester and working for a company that manufactured bellows, these expandable things. And their whole thing was that they would be linear over their range. So they would, they were used in fighter craft and for medicines to, you know, put them out in a, in a linear fashion. And, uh, and oh my gosh, it was just, uh, I don't mean to trash them, but it was just a boring job, you know, and I just <laughs> like, oh my God, I don't want to do this. So I reconsidered back then, you know, uh, after two years of college, and I uh, decided to transfer to Boston University and to study literature. I was going to study English literature. And I thought, you know, I could now read the great books and ponder things under a tree, you know, and read poetry and just sort of, and, uh, and my father was not happy at all. And he said, you, you know, you Most need to benitent. get, <laughs> right. You know, the parents are, you know, you need to, and I understand that now, you know, and I understood it then, but you know, you, you need to have a practical education where you can get a job and all this. And he, and I said, but dad, you have your degree in English literature. And so that's of Well, yeah. <laughs> so was he understood, right? <laughs> right? But, and, uh, and so, I you know I understood that and I've always thought of there's two parts you know t- to education one is the practical aspect where you get this training for a job and a career and to make your life you know uh, better in those ways and the other part of education and I think it's dismissed a lot these days is that it, just for its own good for its own sake to study music and literature and art and and to really and philosophy and history and to understand how we got here who we are and and things that aren't necessarily going to, you know, you can get a, a, a bachelor's of philosophy, and it'd be tough to maybe to get a job, but you know, but you'll know more about yourself and the worthy aspects of that type of education. I think sometimes get dismissed as we try to get on our our path to um, getting better with skill sets that are actually pragmatically applicable. The, uh, in the olden days, there were the, the philosophers that were called sophists, and they would travel from town to town, and they would train the aristocrats and all in these type of skills of how to debate and how to argue and rhetoric and, and all the type of skills that someone would need to become a successful you know, person. And, and they actually did – a I think they did a benefit. That was a good part of, of education. But they sophistry has become a sort of a pejorative word where we think of sophistry as bad education or cynical just to do it just to get a job, and and in a way we've become sophists more. You know, we 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 uh, we look at well, should I go to school to learn how to computer program or to be a lawyer or a doctor, or all these kind of professional careers or MBA, right? And so I decided I was just going to do that, and, uh, and then I realized, oh, this is kind of overwhelming, all the reading I have to do. So I decided I am just going to uh, um, take the courses that I think are the best courses with the best professors, the people that people, uh, that other people talk about, and I'll cobble together an independent major out of that. And that's what I ended up doing and then I ended up over at MIT at a night program. I, while I was going to Boston University, I kept trying to get a job. I was very interested in music. I just loved rock and roll and popular music. And uh, I got—I finally finagled myself into a job at uh, this place called ARP. A R P. They made music synthesizers it was Moog and ARP made the original music synthesizers back in the seventies. And they were on all the big records, you know, the who and Stevie wonder and all these people were using these synthesizers. And ARP was one of the big companies. And I lucked into this job. And while I was there, one of the guys, I, I took a semester off because once I got this job, I wanted to stay there. One of the guys there was, uh, enrolled in a program at MIT that was retraining, uh, uh, uh electrical engineers that had been, uh, trained back when tubes were the thing you know if now you see Mm. tube amplifiers and all those kind of things are are still uh uh, valued for uh, audio amps or for guitar amps and stuff because they distort neatly but back in the day everything was tubes and then suddenly everything became semiconductors and transistors and so these guys didn't know that kind of electronics, so they had to reschool themselves, and they had a program over there to do that. and it was at night, and it was a really good program. It was called the Lowell Institute School. It was just the Lowell Foundation had put this school together within MIT. And so I started taking those courses. and then when I left that job, I went back to BU during the day and then I kept doing that MIT program at night. And in 1979, I've graduated from both. So I had this electrical engineering degree and a, and a degree that I put together called uh, media stu- electronic music and media studies. And it was all advertising and radio and all these things. And I had been working in recording studios. I went down to New York then and got a job in a big record, uh, uh, recording studio called The Record Plant making all they were making all the great rock and roll records bruce springsteen had just done born to run there and Aerosmith was there and david bowie and the talking heads and blondie and all these bands and suddenly new york really became exciting to me
1: yeah so that must be that must be like the time of your life because you you were actually doing what you envisioned you might be doing and having fun at the same time
0: exactly and i loved that and then from there i uh I started. I also had this electronic side, which all of it was based on electronics. It was all recording and equalizers and audio. And, and uh, then I got a job with a company called Ampex, which is out of Silicon Valley, Redwood City, and they made all of the professional recording gear at that time, all the... For all the recording studios, and then they also made all the video gear. So they they schooled me up in how in the video gear of the time, and uh, and all the the networks were based in New York. So I started working at the recording studios and at the at the television networks. And um, uh, at that time, the networks would poach Ampex for their engineers, as they tra- they'd let them train them up, and then they'd hire them away for <laughs> you know to uh, to work there. Just you know, just like they do nowadays with uh, the that that's what happened yeah exactly that's what happened I went over there and i I went to ABC and i I uh, fixed they had a studio where they were syncing up audio and video and doing post-production and uh, they had a machine that was a computer that would match up the audio machines with the video machines and and uh, they, they it was broken and I Lucked, luckily fixed it very quickly, you know, and uh, it was really luck, but I made it look like, oh yeah, nothing, I know all this stuff, right? How, how much so of that, that
1: is actually helping you right now with this whole podcasting and the whole setup? I mean, your, your well, setup you know, looks a lot more professional, of course. <laughs> it, It's like these things come full circle, (laughs) you know,
0: and now it's all it's all that kind of stuff. Once again, you know, using uh, uh, videos to do the online courses, using the audio uh, recording and uh, editing to do the podcast and the audio books for Audible. And, uh, you know, uh, so all these things come. back. And then on the side, I do uh, music. And uh, like you say, I'm a pianist and uh, guitar player. And so I make records and they're available on iTunes and all back then. I mean, now it's a wonderful time because back then there were all these gatekeepers. You, if you were going to mm. go in a re- recording studio to make a record, a recording studio costs millions of dollars to put together back then, literally. Yeah. And now it's all dematerialized into your computer and you can get Audible or GarageBand, any of these kind of things for, you know, uh, $10 or something. And suddenly you have a complete recording studio in your, in your computer. And same thing with video, video editing, forget it. It was hugely expensive. And now it's all in your computer. We have these little mics, they're USB. We have, uh, you know, video cameras everywhere on our phones, on our tablets, you know? So, and there's no more gatekeepers. So this is a wonderful time. We can access all these tools and use them. It's like my dream world that I couldn't even have dreamed of back then (laughs) is now available. So it's amazing. And, uh, so then I, I, I worked for ABC for about 10 years doing, uh, uh, the the uh, engineering, uh, designing and building facilities for the network, and through that process, I was uh, involved with a bunch of. People that, you know, my clients were news and sports and especially sports wanted to and news too, were always driving the technology. They wanted to have new ways to put the title under the, uh, you Mm -hmm. know, graphics, things under the, or, you know, uh, handheld cameras and ways to, uh, you know, uh, put a little camera on a bobsled, all kinds of stuff. And I would work with companies to do that. And so after a while I realized, you know, gosh, and then they would make these cool devices and then they'd sell it. A gazillion of them, and I thought that's what I want to do is make companies where I'm, you know, pushing the state of the art, making technical, you know, type of things, and then selling them. And I realized I didn't know anything about business. I remember looking at a AB, annual report from ABC and saying I don't know how to read this. You know, I don't know the balance sheet, the income statement, all this stuff. What, what is it? And so I decided I wanted to get my, and I, I had always wanted to get my MBA, but like you say, I got caught in these fun careers. And it's like, well, I'll put that on the side. And finally, it was about 10 years into working after my bachelor's that I thought, I want to go do my MBA.
1: I mean, why, why not, why not learn that on your own? Or why not? Why not? Because that's the alternative option, right? Because you must be at a point of time in your career where you could go and start something and maybe figure your way out.
0: Well, exactly. And, and that's, that's, that's the big question up front is, um, You can learn it on your own. And now we have much more tools to do that, too. And I'll talk, you know, I'd love to talk more about that. And MBA, ASAP is one of those tool sets. But there's also all these MOOCs, the massively open online courses like Coursera and edX and fabulous Ivy League type of, uh, you know, and and other, you know, Stanford, all these places have these great programs that are online for free. And so now it's even easier. But back then you could have read the textbooks. And I thought about that. I tried that a little bit. But. I I felt that I needed the discipline, you know, just to accelerate the learning and have the mentorship and have the, you know, that here's the classes. They're all programmed out and you do them. So I was working at ABC and I thought, well, I could go to Columbia or NYU, you know, here in New York, go at night. They had night programs. ABC would pay for it. And that's a the reasonable, sober kind of way. Right. But at that time, uh, I was married. I had a two year old. And, um, well, actually a one-year-old could say the year before is when I started to apply. Right. And, uh, yeah. realize that, gosh, you know, if I, if I'm working all day and this, it was a, a challenging job I would have put in big hours and then go to school at night and then do my homework on the weekends, I'll have no time for a family, you know, hmm. and, and I'll be exhausted too. And I won't really give this education the the time it needs. And I also was ready for a break. I was kind of Burnt out, you know, working ten years. I, you know, I, I was at Olympics and political conventions and space shuttle launches and Indy five hundreds and everything, you know, and uh, and it was big hours and big pressure. And I thought, you know, I'd like to take a break for two years and just sit and read and learn and uh, and take stock of where I am and have it as a as a time to, you know, codify what I my experience I've done so far, learn some new skills, and then plan a you know a new future. So taking off the time for 2 years seemed very attractive you know to just and I would just apply myself just to that I wouldn't have to work and have all those distractions you know to my studies so I thought well I'd like to I'd like to just do my MBA just like that if I'm yeah. going to do it I'm going to do it full time and that's it
1: Absolutely. No, I, I think I think I think I really like the perspective. And I think the theme carries on from what you said earlier, like you're not someone who is going f- to for the education in order to have a purpose or well, there is a purpose, but in order to just have a milestone or have like a that objective, you actually wanted to experience the whole um, you know, aspect of educating yourself. Now, that is not very common, right? Because a lot of the times from what even I've speak spoken to a lot of people, a lot of them do MBA because they think they have to and because they think it gets them from step one to step two of the career and in terms of leadership skills or in terms of even the job options. For you, I can see the perspective is actually very different.
0: Yeah, that that, uh, and, and, and also I, I did want to, you know, uh, bolster my career, certainly. and all, and uh, But yeah, I think that sometimes, right, it's just another step. We punch the clock. You have to punch the, you know, check off this box. You've worked for a while. You're going to do the MBA. Now Now you're ready to take on the next level of things. And a lot of the people that I ended up going to school with, I think they had that uh, type of idea that they, you know, back, back then and to this day, the big careers were you went into consulting or you went into investment banking. Those are the two things, you know, you'd end up at McKinsey or Bain or Boston Consulting Group or at Goldman Sachs or, you know, those kind of places. And, and then you would work your way up the ladder from there and, uh, and you'd have a career and that's a good way to do it. But once again, I, I really, I, I, I was, uh, a budding entrepreneur at that time before this whole, you know, now it's like, oh gosh, it's a whole nother thing because now we have this history of the last 20 years of entrepreneurs from Steve Jobs and even, you know, Hewlett and Packard and then Steve Jobs and the Intel guys. And now, you know, Zuckerberg and, you know, everybody else that, you know, Elon Musk and these guys that have been just, you know, killing it. With these great careers where they've made lots of stuff, because now we have the technology to make things quickly, and we get startup funding and all that. But that—that's the kind of thing that I wanted to do more: was have a self-directed career and really try to make an impact in some way, um, and not take a traditional—not take a traditional career as much. So when I decided on Wharton, it's the only school I applied to. You know, I, I thought about Harvard. I wanted. I also thought if I'm going to do this, I want to go to. A prestigious school because I want yeah. to make sure that if, if there is some sort of secret code or secret handshake or secret language that you have to learn I want to make sure I learn it you know and if it's if it's the the contacts that you make and all that kind of you know uh, I want to make sure that you know there was I was interested in that I didn't want to leave that um, uh, unknown and later on think you know gee I should have maybe done that so it's like I'm gonna to go to one of the top schools or or do it myself, you know. Yeah. And so I. I mean, Columbia applied. and NYU also were like quite reputable universities. Oh, absolutely, the universities. absolutely. Mm. They're they're great schools too. Yeah. So when I was thinking about that, and and they have night programs, and that was the thing. But but Harvard Wharton, they don't have. They just are two year things. There's no night programs, none of that kind of stuff. Now they have ones where they do executive MBA, and you can do it on the weekends and things. But the most is the you know the the, the full time two year program. And so, uh, I apply to Wharton, you know, Harvard was more is the case study method where you read case studies and then write about those case studies. And that's sort of their pedagogical approach, which is a great one. But Wharton was known at the time, and I think it still is, as the the quant jock place, you know, where, where quantitative people go. Mm. Um, so engineering, math people, stats people, you know, uh, spreadsheet people, uh, those kind of people, Wharton was the place because it was primarily – finance was the strong thing and all this quantitative stuff. So – uh, I ended up, uh, applying there and, you know, and that's a whole process in and of itself too, is the application. And I decided I took a, uh, Stanley, uh, what's it called, uh, course to apply, you know, to prepare for the GMAT because I really wanted to make sure that I got good grades on the, on the, uh, yeah. hmm. so I took a, a course eight, eight Saturdays where I'd sit there all day, you know, and we'd study the test. And I think that really helped because then when I got into the test, I knew what the different, uh, parts were and so I didn't have to spend too much time reading the directions I knew what it was I could dive right in and uh, had some good study skills on there so I did well on the GMATs and I think that's an important thing to do and I got very very good uh recommendation letters from some top people and uh so got into you know went to Wharton and uh, loved that you know it was a uh it was a wonderful experience, moved to Philadelphia for two years. And my wife at the time went kicking and screaming. She did not want to leave New York, you know, (laughs) and, uh, and, and, but we went there and, but it was a big sacrifice. And that's, that's the, where the big weight is, you know, it's like, should you have take, you know, do the four years at night, which is twice as long and have no life for that time, but have someone pay for it or do it in two years, concentrate on it, focus on it. But then that's a big hole, you know, because you have not only the tuition, but you had all the expenses of, of a young family um, and you're not working for that time. So you're forgoing – the opportunity costs become huge because you're losing two years of salary and you have all of these exp- living expenses and you have the tuition and everything else expenses. So, I mean, you end up digging a three hundred to $500,000 hole for yourself.
1: Yeah, and yeah, you absolutely. To, you know,
0: absolutely. So how –
1: yeah, sorry. Uh, how, how, how did you go from, you know, literature to music to, to uh, choosing a school that's more focused on finance and quant? So the focus on finance and quant, was it, was it because you said, look, that's the missing gap for me and I want to fill it with the kind of a business knowledge and education? Or, or was it to strengthen your own skills which you had somehow gained over time?
0: Well, it was both. I I thought it was the piece that I needed to fit in so that I could take my technology background and then build companies and build uh, products and services around technology that 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 then I could sell, and so I was seeing all these technology companies like Ampex, like Intel, like Hewlett Packard, all these ones that were you know coming up at that time, and thinking I'd like to do something, something smaller than that, modest, but where I could build some widget and then sell it, and I need to know about business in order to do that, and so that's what it was to fill in that skill set, and I wanted to you know if I was going to do it, I wanted to do it at a place that also. Uh, was rigorous and at the top of, you know, where I could really compete at the top of my game and see if I could do that and all. And, uh, and so it was for all those reasons that it it seemed like a good choice, but it was also, you know, looking back and even at the time, the opportunity costs and you have this big, you know, you didn't work for that time. Your career has been stalled, but you have this new potentials that come out. And, uh, but then how do you make up that amount of money that you've foregone over over time and so that's that's the big that's one big big issue with it and uh, so yeah so the, the, the courses themselves were fantastic um,
1: mm-hmm. how, this, how so, so the
0: students go, were great
1: To go back a couple of steps uh, on yeah. the Gmat I think that's that's where I would find really interesting. Uh, how old were you when you went into the MBA to try and get an assessment of how many years it was before you had left education?
0: Yeah, I well, I graduated college in 79, right, 1979, and moved to New York and started Wharton in 88. Okay, so, so it, it was like it was nine, nine years, years
1: since you left. Yeah. So how... How did you find the whole aspect of trying to be a student again and studying for the GMAT? I found it really challenging and I was just like three years or four years since I left university. But I think that's one of the biggest challenges, isn't it? The GMAT. Um, uh, Looking back, I think that's actually one of the easiest things (laughs) to prepare for. But at that moment, it seems so big. So how was your experience in preparing yourself with an examination?
0: Well, and that's a good point. Yeah, that's why I took a... uh I took a course. I want to uh, Stanley Kaufman or whatever the you know it's the 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 regular you know I want to say Stanley Kubrick but he was the director you know but
1: uh, yeah it's uh, been and, long and, uh, I, mean, took, I think I think a lot of them this, have moved on even even back when I was doing I think so many institutions have. have gone
0: yeah they might be gone but uh it was this thing where you sign you know because just for those reasons i wanted to make sure that i studied for it and i wanted to have somebody help me study for it because i i got the books you know learned the gmat and all and i read through them, but i i couldn't really focus that much because i was working all day and so i decided i'm going to take a course and just you know do it in that way And, and it was really good because then you're sitting there and somebody's telling you what to do and you do it and by the end you get sort of polished up on it. And, um, also I had taken a bunch of night courses. I took, I went to Columbia and took some computer science courses, uh, just at night. I went to the new school, which is in New York and studied media studies in their master's degree program. Didn't finish those programs, but took, took courses in them. So I was, and I think I did some others too, but I was always a voracious, you know, I like studying, so I would take course just for the social aspect and for the intellectual, you know uh, curiosity. Um, so i I was never actually out of school, and I read a lot and all. Um, mm-hmm. but actually, when i when I finally when I went to that that time I was in New York was also you know just a, a lot of fun time, too, because New York's just a fun place to to live and be. Um but once I got into the, you know, once I got uh, accepted, Boy, suddenly I started reading all these books and started thinking like, oh, I'm pre- I got to prepare for, you know, this kind of thing. and, uh, But, yeah, the, the studying for the GMAT was uh, – I took that very seriously. And I think I think you have to um, not just wake up and take the te- – like I did with the SATs when I was in high school. I just woke up, took the <laughs> test. And it was like later I thought, you know, I should have studied for that. What was I doing? <laughs> so this time I was like, wait a minute. I'm going to study. And I was a, actually a mature student. You know, right. I was, you know, 10 years out. Um, it doesn't seem that much now, but, it, you know, it, most of the most of the MBA student, my my colleagues were all just three or four years out of out of school. You know, they worked for a little bit of time and they were on to their MBA. And so I was like one of the older students because um, I was almost 30, you know, and uh, and that seemed like an old man at that time, you know, yeah, like oh, my gosh. You know? Exactly. And, I, w- uh, I was
1: one of the younger ones. <laughs> so I can really see the perspective on the other side. <laughs>
0: Yeah. And, and, uh, but I loved being back in school, you know, I, was, I wearing jeans every day, carrying a backpack with my books, you know, and, and, just, and I would treat it like I really treated it very, I think responsibly because I was a little older too, maybe, but, uh, I treated it like it was a job. I would walk over there. I lived in center city and I'd walk over the bridge to West Philly where, where Penn is, where Wharton is. And uh, Every morning I would walk over there about eight thirty, and, uh, I would stay till about five thirty and then walk home, you know, and like, just like it was a job Monday through Friday. And I only had, you know, you only have classes maybe for an hour, you know, one in the morning on Tuesday, one in the afternoon on Tuesday, one on Wednesday, you know, you don't have that many classes. So the rest of the time I spent in the library or spent in, you know, some in front of a computer or whatever. And I would just, and do my reading, do my assignments and just work and work and work and have a lunch, you know, and, uh, but just do it like that. So I, I would study a little bit at night, a little bit on the weekends, but pretty much, you know, nine to five, Monday through Friday, do it. And a lot of my, you know, a lot of my, uh, colleagues, you know, they were more, you know, uh, Thursday afternoon was beer time and they had a pool place, you know, and they had all these great amenities that I really didn't take advantage of. <laughs> Cause I had a, I had a young child too, but, you know, they would be out partying all weekend, and you know, playing pool and relax, and, and just show up for class or skip. I never skipped one class. I went to every single class. I never missed a class. Wow. And um,
1: how does that feel? I, I don't know. I, I, know, I, I miss missed so many of them. I feel bad. I now. insisted.
0: <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna do it like I'm gonna treat it like a job. I'm gonna treat it very seriously. And uh, yeah, and and the other people. Sometimes I'd be in class and be like, half the kid, half the students weren't there, you know, <laughs> and they'd be, you know, talking away and. Uh, and then when crunch time came, right, the last couple of weeks, everybody's pulling all nighters and they're all bleary eyed and they're doing these tests. And I didn't do any of that, you know, so I I, I would I went through consistently and I had my assignments done and I'd be like, oh, man, I just stayed, I was up for two days and missed paper, uh, you know, and it's like I didn't want to do it like jumping through hoops for somebody and saying, well, you want me to do a paper? OK, here's a 30 page paper. I just like did it while I was almost half asleep. All I wanted to do was go to sleep and I'm typing this thing. I really wanted to do something that I was proud of that I actually explored and looked at the information and figured it all out and, and, and did it while I was like awake and, you know, and, 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 and curious about it. And so I, that's the way I approached it and did it. I think it was a really, uh, for me, very beneficial. Um, because again, I wasn't that interested in a lot of people too. It's the signaling aspect, right? It's like, I have this degree from Harvard or Wharton or whatever it is. And look what I've done, you know, and, and, and now that signaling is what they want. I actually wanted the content. The signaling was a great benefit, you know, but it wasn't about the degree. And especially if you're going to be an entrepreneur, um, at the end of the day especially nowadays it's even more of a, of a decision to do because what are you going to do convince yourself that you're a a, a good prospect of, uh, to employ because you went to the school and have the have that degree yeah you know if, if at the end of the day now the signaling aspect has diminished I think yep. and it's valuable in some traditional careers but if you're going to be a computer coder and you're going to make the next google or something you don't you just go and do it. You know, and so you can go and learn these things, especially now you can learn these different subjects online. And even afterwards, I thought a lot of it was like, you know, I could have a lot of the, what I learned there was pretty common sense. You know, I, you, you make something, you sell it for more than it costs you to make. That's your profit. You tell people about it and you make them aware of it. And then you try to sell it and uh, and you try to make it for as less, you know, your costs and all. And it's like, duh. You know, there's not a lot. It's not it's not a lot of rocket science to it you know it's pretty much common sense across a lot of it but then there are aspects like finance and accounting and those that are pretty rigorous one thing i would have definitely have done if i had had known was if i was going to do that do that is uh, one i would have i would have read a little bit more ahead of time just to say is this really for me and i think i would have said yes but i really would have put in the time and i also definitely would have spent some time maybe taking an accounting class or you know so that because that was the one subject when I got in there, they hit the ground running. I had never had any accounting before. And all of a sudden, it was all this debits and credits and T accounts and all this stuff and all these terms. And that took me, I had to really scramble to, to get up to speed on that. Whereas like strategy or marketing or th- those subjects kind of have some common sense and some intuition around it, management and leadership, you know everybody's seen some movies and see how people lead and you manage to tell people what to do and you know all that kind of stuff it's relatively more uh, related to everyday life where accounting is like its own world and so i would definitely highly recommend anybody doing it take some time to really learn some accounting beforehand so that when you go in you're not just going in totally cold but you have some idea about what's going on so you can so you can really uh not have that really super steep learning curve at the beginning because I could imagine that could it it didn't you know uh, 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 crush me but uh, came close
1: <laughs> yeah absolutely no I think I think you' touched upon a really interesting point over there because the whole aspect of, of an MBA degree as a certificate um, something that you can showcase, Uh, that is kind of uh, except some of the traditional businesses uh, if you talk about some of the startup ecosystem. In fact, sometimes MBA is also considered like a disadvantage because you're perceived in a slightly different way uh, than how you might be perceived if you're hustling your way through to get there. So if you're doing it with that purpose in mind, then that's something that definitely needs to be questioned. But on the other hand, the interesting aspect which I which I think you mentioned, is that it actually is more relevant rather than less relevant if you're thinking about entrepreneurship because you should do it to educate yourself you know some of the knowledge and some of the fundamentals uh, not necessarily to do it uh, to to show off or to showcase to to a prospective um, employer which is which is very interesting because on the other hand if you ask a lot of people um, they'll say no we want to start a business why do we want to do an MBA because I think it's got a negative connotation because of the way it's grown and developed and organically moved along
0: right right and it's got kind of codified into this institutionalized thing and w- which is really can be good but that it also has some you know downsides that we have to be aware of and to make sure that we navigate properly through it you know learn those skill sets and to make sure that you can be so confident when you come out of that program that you don't have any holes in that education you know all the different aspects and what the current thinking is and all and then it becomes a lifetime thing too it's not just once you do your mba okay i'm done you know i've done all my My work, it's a continual kind of reschooling and retooling and new books come out and new ideas come out and Blue Ocean Strategy and, you know, originals and all these And then all the the people that are uh, actually running companies like Lean In by Sheryl Sandberg, you know, there's always constantly updating what your knowledge is and expanding that base. I I was a, you know, chief financial officer of publicly traded companies for 15 years. And uh, I have to tell you, when I came out of my MBA, I did not know enough about accounting and finance to jump into that role. You know, it took, even while I was a CFO, you know, it took me a couple of years to start to realize, oh, now I get it. Now I understand. And even get that big contextual picture about accounting and how financial statements go together and how they flow and, and how to do present value and do valuations of, you know, present value of discounted cash flows and new use net present value and all these things. It, it, it took me a while, too, to parse what was really important and what was more, you know, just details that might be important in situations. But those situations are so rare. What are the common situations? What's the core kind of things that I really needed to know to work every day? And that's what i tried to put together with MBA ASAP. It's like mm-hmm. so, you know, you can get it as soon as possible. Here's the 20 percent of the stuff that will give you 80 percent of the results for people that are, say, a uh, – and an entrepreneur saying, I, I I know how to code. I want to make this app. I don't have time to spend two years waiting on an MBA, but I need to know a little bit about business now so I can, you know, do it and hopefully reduce my risk of failure and up my odds of success. And so that's the kind of stuff I'm providing now. It's like I like I boiled it down into like from my experience. Here's the stuff you really need to know. The other stuff's great to know, nice to know, yeah. but it might not be as applicable every single day. So here's the stuff that you need every day to just start charging forward, and uh, and hopefully give people, you know, the and all, you know, that type of perspective. And also for people that are thinking about an MBA, you know, go and re, you know look at these materials and say, is this really for me? And then if you do it, you've got a little bit of a, you know, a, a head start because you've sort of researched these already. So it's good to do as a pre-thing for an MBA and even afterwards, just as a uh, summary to say, what the heck did I learn in all these subjects? Because a lot of times you're siloed in a marketing class, in a strategy yeah. class, in an accounting class. How does all this stuff go together? If you want to be a C-level you know, person in a company, you know, CEO, CFO, COO, CMO, CTO, CIO, there's all these C. CXO. <laughs> CXO, all these things, right? If you want, you have to have a high perspective where you're using all those different aspects, you know, and every day in some assembling a mosaic of those things to address this, you know, these people do this. And because you're looking at the big picture and a lot of times in an MBA program, you just don't get that big picture perspective. So that's another thing that I try to do is like, and if you start with that context, one, you know that context and you can look at all the stuff you have and assemble it. And other, also you, you have a context to slot all these details in
1: yeah exactly because otherwise I think, you know, yeah absolutely no i think that's really that's really interesting because that that's one thing that gets me really um a little upset with some of the universities as well because i think even universities don't do a great job at bringing the pieces together like even the professors who come in it's it's not sometimes it feels like they sometimes don't even have an idea what the other classes are going on um, so it's it's very hard for them to bring together because they also bring in these silo pieces and the whole job is left to the students to try and bring them together, which is, which is not unreasonable as long as that expectation is set up front. <laughs> Saying, look, we're gonna bring in our own expertise and our experiences and insights. It's up to you to put them all together. Uh, and that's why I think the whole difference between having an experienced um, uh, person going in to do an MBA makes a very big difference as opposed to someone who is just out of university because all of these learnings come from years of experience, right? It doesn't come just on its own. But yeah, that's, that's a really interesting uh, point that you made. One, one point which I was really keen to get your insight especially was... You know the the short term versus the long term benefits of doing an MBA. I think uh, I think you're the very first guest who has done MBA quite a while ago. Uh, most of my guests uh, have done MBA recently, as a matter of perspective. Um, yes, what are your thoughts on you know the short term benefits as opposed to the long term gains of doing an MBA?
0: Well, and that's a very good a very good point. The um the the long term I, I I think the long term benefits are are really immense. Um, one of the things that's nice about an MBA is um, it's transferable. You know, you can go into the healthcare field and have an MBA. And, you know, you can go into life sciences and have an MBA. And make it work. You can go into semiconductors or electronics or computer science and have an MBA, and it'll help that. So it, across a whole broad spectrum, you can go into nonprofit work. You can go into government. All of these different just about every role you could think of will benefit from an MBA from those that management uh, discipline and marketing perspective and accounting and understanding the numbers and all of those you know the decision tools all of those things will help across your whole career and no matter where your career goes so it's not specific and it and it doesn't change it's like a lot of these things they've changed a bit i mean i did i graduated in 1990 right so These things have changed a bit and you keep up, but it's not like if you were a computer scientist or a physicist or an astronomer or something, how much the world has changed since 1990, you know, the the computer world, you'd have to reschool yourself completely, you know, maybe eight or nine times during this time period where marketing is still, marketing has changed quite a bit now with digital marketing and Mm. viral things and, and growth hacking and all, but other management, leadership, strategy, Those are pretty timeless subjects. Accounting, accounting hasn't changed. You know, it's still gap accounting a little bit, you know, Sarbanes-Oxley, some regulations and you have, you know, FASB and, you know, the international IFSB and so a little bit, but not that much, you know, finance hasn't changed, you know, time value money is still the time value of money, except now we have negative interest rates, which no one talks about how the heck those work, you know, does that mean you want to keep your receivables? You don't want to get them? You know, what does, what do negative interest rates mean? And and so a lo- actually a lot of the education has not kept up too with some of the developments like negative interest rates. You don't hear them talked about in the ec- economics classes. You don't hear them talked about in finance classes. You know we have Bitcoin. We have you know new money kind of things. You know blockchain, all kinds of stuff. So there are are new things too, and. Uh,
1: by the way, before I forget, uh, I, it, it's really funny when I'm hearing you say this. I mean, back in 1980s, did you, did you ever think that you'll talk about finance and accounting with such uh, expertise <laughs> as, as how much you're talking right now? Because coming from literature no. and music, I mean, it's like a completely different, you know, area for you, yeah. right?
0: And it, it's taken years and years and years of thinking about it and studying it and, 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 and doing it and and doing it again and doing it again and, <laughs> and uh but yeah that so and i think that in in programs um there's two ways that they have uh, professors in in pro, like at UNM and things um where you have the phd professors and when you talk about siloed they're very specific on their narrow thing that they that they mm-hmm. have studied you know when you when you do a phd you're very refined on a, on one thing and that's what you're going to study and they may have been academics their whole career so they haven't really gone out and gotten beat up in the, you know, in the in the world of companies and you know juggling around and all so that's a good perspective but it's it has its limitations because they don't bring that experience of 20 years of work and so now they have the phrase it's uh, the academics and what they call the pracademics like practical you know these people that come in like me i have an mba and a, and a bunch of uh, uh, work experience and deliver that to the students, where someone else that's a PhD, maybe teaching another subject or, or or whatever, you know, they they have a different perspective, which is mm. just as valid, just as valid, but different, you know. And so, that's a balance too, especially in a field like an MBA, where if you're going into a field that's going to just be theory the whole time, like say you get a PhD in physics or or in astronomy or or whatever it's going to be like that, then having th- theorists and theoretical people teach you is a good idea. But if you're going to take all this theoretical knowledge that you learned in an MBA program, and then just go jump into the shark tank, you know, of of Wall Street or something, you know, you may have some problems, because it's going to be a different environment that you weren't really schooled for in ways. Um, so that that's just a, another you know, that, that if you do an MBA, it's not the be all end all. You still have to surround it with all kinds of uh, practical kinds of education and things, too.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. So so since um, just to understand journey a little better since the time you finished your MBA, um, You've done quite a lot of things. Now, most recently, you're doing MBA ASAP. Um, at, at this moment, how did that concept come about? And why did you decide to even explore this area of MBA after so many years?
0: Well, uh, and it, it came, basically, I uh, started and ran a bunch of companies. And, uh, and then about 10 years ago, I also started teaching. It was actually my sister started uh, teaching finance, at a university in new jersey and i thought you know Mm. that's really cool you know you're teaching that's i love that i would do that and so then the opportunity came along for me to start teaching and so i started doing that and i ended up uh over the last decade uh teaching just about i've taught every aspect of business Mm. from marketing to you know management leadership accounting finance startups everything and uh and as I was doing that, you know, and and seeing, and I really loved that. I enjoyed being with the students, the interaction, seeing the light bulbs go off where I'd say something that they, they got. And I loved that. And then I started thinking in my entrepreneurial way, well, how can I scale this? You know, instead of mm-hmm. talking to 20, 20 students in a classroom and, and, and repeating myself every time, how can I, you know, scale this? So I started, I had had my PowerPoint slides, you know, my slide decks and all, I started writing little articles off of that. And then I did a blog and then aggregated that up to books. And then now it's once again, these incredible tools, you know, you go to KDP, which is Kindle Direct Publishing, part of Amazon, and you just upload your word processed files for your book and it becomes an ebook. And then they'll also print paperbacks on demand one at a time. So you don't have to buy a thousand paperbacks and hope you sell them. It's just how many people buy them. So there's no inventory costs or working capital. And so it sort of evolved as, oh, I can make a business. And then and I start marketing those things. And then, mm then uh, ACX is audible the audible exchange where if you record your book, you can put it up there and then it becomes an audio book as well. So now I got you know the blog and and the and the and the slide decks and put those on SlideShare. and then the uh, the, the the book, the the Kindle book and the and the paperback book and now the audio book. and then well, heck, then I'll make a podcast because mm. that's a a doable thing now, right? It's it don't need a lot of material you know, uh, to do it and to get it out. And the whole distribution network is there on our, you know, on our phone platforms and things. It's remarkable. And, and then also doing, taking all that and making online courses for Udemy and Teachable and these other platforms. And so then thinking, well, then I can point people in that direction with a nice sales funnel. And if I'm going to be teaching these courses, I should be walking the walk, right. And talk, you know, not just talk the talk, but walk the walk. Mm. I need to know, If I put out advertising, is it really going to work or am I just like telling people stuff that doesn't work? So I wanted to create sales funnels and have conversions and have Google Analytics and have my website and have my Twitter and my LinkedIn and everything sort of fold back into that. My YouTube channel and have it all this whole ecosystem kind of developed one out of my teaching and then out of let me prove up if what I teaching actually works And just because now I can do it because there's all these great tools that are available for us for such little money. You know, if you have a word processor and a little microphone and and a computer, you can do all these things. And a Twitter account is free. A LinkedIn account is free. You know, all these, all these tools are out there. You you can make a website for next to nothing. Right. And knowing how to make a website is a great thing in and of itself. And so that's how it came about. And I have to say, it's really just exciting, and it puts me in touch with people like you. You know, this is the social aspects of it. Mm. Um, it's those one-on-one conversations instead of just blasting out a Twitter to twenty thousand people. That's good, but then when when you start to start to talk with them and all, and have relationships build up in those ways, and what I've been really amazed about is that all over the world, I have people that buy these things and talk to me, and they're in my email list and all, and all throughout India, throughout Africa, a lot in Ghana and these places, and throughout the Middle East, and Egypt, and you know, and 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 in Turkey, and I just and throughout Europe, through, in, in England, uh, Australia, uh, Vietnam, you know, India is a huge huge market, you know, because everybody speaks English, and so. It's, and MBA uh, and
1: MBA is big. I mean, I mean, that, I I think I think that's really interesting what yeah. what you're saying because when I started- everybody needs these skills, you know. Exactly, exactly. And If you're going to be a
0: farmer, how do you get your stuff to, you know, or if you're (laughs) going to be a a computer person, you know, yeah.
1: (laughs) Absolutely. No, absolutely. Sorry, I didn't mean to uh, interfere, but it it got me really excited when you spoke about... um, Oh, good. ...the the, the kind of audience where it comes from, because um, when I started publishing the podcast, I started seeing people come from... I thought people are coming from India because I'm from India, and of course, when I'm spreading the word out to LinkedIn and Twitter... They're coming from there. But then when I started to try and understand one-on-one, I understood that, no, these are not even people I know. These are just people who are organically finding out. And there are people who are listening in, in Africa, in in Middle East, um, which is very similar to what you're saying. I think it just comes down to there's a huge appetite uh, yeah. for
0: something and like it's this. It's thrilling you know, to, to meet all these people from all over the world because everybody... Yeah, everybody has a smartphone, right? And and everybody has access to an internet connection or lots of people and we're going to have another billion come online in another year. It's 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 really thrilling. So, yeah. It's,
1: yeah, it's, absolutely. That that is that is amazing. Uh so so basically uh how it worked out for you from what I understand is you started Getting into the academia um, to try and educate, and then this this is something that organically grew from there. How is right. the business aspect of that going? Is 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 this something that's um, generating enough money for you at the moment to keep it uh, to keep you sustainable on a business level as well, besides the social and the impact
0: level? Well, I'd love to say yes that I'm a millionaire off of this, but no, <laughs> it's it's it's. Uh, I, I make some money and I can see that if I can, you know, I'm keeping the prices very low on stuff because I want to get it out to everybody. Um, but I still have to do other things, teach and consult and those kind. Of, and I love doing those things too, but I could see a time and it may take a couple of years or something like that, but I just enjoy doing it. So it's, it's, it's not like, um, you know, I I have a horizon that I'm trying to meet. I just want to get this information out and, and make some money. I mean, obviously it's fun to make some money on it and I'm doing it to, to make money. And, uh, but really, I, I think when it will is when I populate the, uh, my whole matrix of, you know, I had all those different, uh, content things like eBooks and paperbacks and audiobooks and online courses. And then if you match that with marketing and finance and management and leadership, and then when you look at that, you have this matrix of maybe about a hundred products that I can populate. Yep. And if each one is making a little income stream, suddenly it becomes a significant, diverse, you know, revenue stream that, uh, you know, I, I, I can see that it could it could uh, be something that I could live on, you know, not now, but, you know, in a, in, in a few years. And in the meantime, I'm just enjoying it and every sale I'm grateful for and every person that I interact with, you know, and it's lovely to get you know, the comments when people say, thanks, I really enjoying this or that. And you think that, you know, you're actually making a difference because uh, at the end of the day, that's the other part of this, right, is that these are skill sets that create one agency in people where people can be more independent. They can do the things that they want to do. They can have livelihoods. They can take care of their family. And two, it makes economic development for their region. If they make a, a good business and suddenly, you know, that helps wherever it is, because, uh, the The capitalist economic model has a lot of potential for people to rise out of poverty and 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 then, Make their dreams and visions come true, and so I think the MBA and the business skill sets are uh, the kind of things that can really enable people to to do those kind of to do those kind of things. So I think that it's really uh, you know on a higher level, it's a way to make your dreams come true.
1: Absolutely, and I think I think you're in the, you're in the absolutely right track, right? Because you you have twenty three thousand plus Twitter followers. How did you do that?
0: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's a uh, well, you know, um, there are some ways to get Twitter going and, uh, and you can jump start it. And then, um, there's some tools where I, I've made a bunch of, uh, uh, posts that I do on a regular basis and things and, uh, mm. and then add posts and then, and then actually have direct conversations with people. Yeah. It's a, uh, and it also, it takes time. It grows over time. You know, you have to, I'm very active on Twitter. Yeah. At, at JJ cousins and very active and I talk to lots of people on there and uh and uh same thing with LinkedIn LinkedIn has been a huge thing you know again worldwide um with with contacts and I think I have close to 19,000 on on LinkedIn and that's a you know that's a nice community it's like wow you know that um and then the different clubs on there like the finance club there's mm. there's almost a million it's like 980,000 people in the finance club on LinkedIn you know <laughs> and it's like and there's other clubs too but that one I I just have a wonderful relationship with, and uh, they comment and like a lot of my posts and things. And, uh, and then I try to make a lot of stuff free too. I'll give a lot of free books away, you know, just smaller versions of my content so people can get a sample, and, 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 and also YouTube videos and things where people can just go and watch and uh, they don't have to pay me and they can learn these things, you know. And if they want to learn it in a more systematic way, well, then, you know, $25 for the course or $5 for the ebook or whatever it is, you know, and, uh, and then get that, you know, get the whole.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It. No, it's, it's it's really inspiring because when, when I started this, I, I started this in order to may, maybe just to, you know, pay it forward or just to contribute uh, based on what yeah. I, I learned. But as I'm doing this, I'm starting to understand that it is something that could potentially jumpstart uh, any business ventures uh, by creating some quality content. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think we could chat offline in terms of um, uh, any tips I can gain from you on that. <laughs>
0: Yeah. And, and then the people, exactly the people you meet and, and that know the type of content, your interests and all, um, then that, like you say, it's a, it's a network and you get to meet, you know, fun, interesting people too, through doing your podcast. I know James Altucher who has a giant podcast and he's really, I, I listen to him all the time. And that's what he said. It's a great excuse for me to, you know, approach people that are my heroes or my mentors, you know, the kind of people and then have a conversation with them because you can get them on the on a show. And so you absolutely know, they,
1: you and I would have never they, connected if not for the podcast.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Right. And and having this conversation is just a wonderful thing. You know, it's it's great. And uh and it's great to have a new friend in in London. You know? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> in England,
1: absolutely great. So I mean, usually I try to ask the guests as to you know uh, how else has an MBA contributed to 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 journey. I I have I don't even need to ask you anymore because that's like coming out really relevant. I think one question which I might have is, I think MBA served like a great building block for you in terms of how how a career has progressed for you. Looking back, uh, do you think you could have actually done all of what you're doing right now if you wouldn't have done MBA? If you wouldn't have done MBA, what do you think you would have done?
0: Well, you know, I think we all think about that a lot. You know, these these it, it's definitely, for me, it was a significant branching kind of thing, right? I either did this mm-hmm. and all of those paths untaken. It's kind of hard to speculate. What if I would have stayed in Manhattan my whole career and I know people that uh, have done, you know, big jobs there and, 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 and uh, all, and, uh, I moved out to Albuquerque and, and that was another thing that I moved to a place that uh, is sunny and wonderful, but not a big, you know, it's not Silicon Valley, it's not London, it's not New York, you know, Manhattan. And, um, and I love those cosmopolitan centers of power and all, but I also like, uh, being reclused from those to a degree so that I can live a, my quality of life is really good. And, you know, to me, and now with the internet And with, you know, all of these other tools, I don't feel like uh, we're we're pretty much geographically independent. You know, lots of people live in urban environments. I love that. But um, I still feel that I can be connected and engaged to the world at large um, and live anywhere. So that's been really, really fun. And I forget exactly what was the question, because what I I went off on, (laughs) (laughs) what I would have done. I don't know what I would have done, but I know that, um, that doing the MBA certainly enabled everything that I'm doing now and actually having the prestigious MBA allowed me to teach because, you know, because I have a Wharton MBA. Um, I think that allowed me, cause I still needed that signaling mechanism to get into the universities to, to teach. And I think that has helped me as well. And it helped me to get the jobs along the way that gave me the experience to have something to talk about. So, um, I, I, I at the end of the day, it was very worthwhile doing, but also, very much of a struggle because, because of that hole, you know, that, that big hole you dig yourself into of the, the tuition and not working for that amount of time and having your living expenses as well. And then you come out of that and you have to, you have to make that up, but it's the same if you want to be a lawyer or a doctor or anything else. Um, the other thing about MBA that I think is very important is in this day and age, looking forward now, um, I think we're going to go through a huge disruption in careers in the next five to ten years with artificial intelligence, robotics, you know, uh, machine learning, automation. Um, A lot of the jobs, not just the jobs at the blue collar level, but doctors, lawyers, everything is going to be changed in those ways. Autonomous vehicles are going to in the United States the biggest job is truck driver there's about 2.8 million truck drivers once autonomous vehicles come those people are going to be out of work
1: yeah and augmented it, reality and virtual reality about doctors as you mentioned yeah. you know, able to do surgeries and operations from anywhere in the world
0: oh yeah and they have those robotic da vinci machines now and on the diagnostic side watson the ibm you know uh, artificial intelligence they're diagnosing disease states better than any doctor can cuz they can consume every case of this disease ever all the articles that come out of all the journals right as soon as they come out and put, incorporate that all that all that way and so we're going to go through a time where we're going to have to be more i think more independent we're not going to be able to rely on a company to hire us when we're 20 and retire us when we're 65 and we'll have a career all through that we're going to have maybe eight nine careers during our lifespan or career and uh right. And, and we're going to have to figure out what to do on our own. And a lot of times, too, if we get laid off or something like that. And having these business skills give us that lifeboat and give us that ability to have, have agency, have self-direction in our life. And those may be, become serious survival skills in the next decades.
1: Yeah, absolutely. No, I completely agree. Uh, my wife has recently finished her MBA as well. And right now she's in the delicate position where she's not able to see the immediate benefits of doing an MBA. So she's like, what did I do it for? You know, I'm not really sure what I did it for. Uh, it's been seven years for me. So I'm saying, look, it, it's something that has to be, it's, it's an education that amortizes, you know, over time that actually benefits and actually compounds um, over time because today I'm I'm working in product management but yesterday I was working in something else and tomorrow I don't know what career I'll be working in but one thing that remains consistent is the base layer that's formed with that kind of education and that base layer doesn't go anywhere it, it's not something it's it's not like uh you know accounting or finance or or law like if i don't practice i'll forget it's not like that it it's something that is always there at the back of your mind
0: <laughs> right those fundamentals aren't going to change and that that was the other thing right was uh that people went into was besides uh banking and consulting was uh the to be a product manager like at procter and gamble and those kind of things that was the other big career path back No, you're absolutely right. These things, and, and she should think of it and we all should think of it. It's a long-term thing and, and life is not, it's not a sprint. It's a marathon, right? We have to think long-term and we're, if you're going to be in it for the long haul, right? These skills, that's, she's just like got the seed now and then it's going to grow into a big plant, but it's going to take, it's going to take time, decades, you know, it'll take a lot of time and you keep learning and you keep using it in different aspects. And, uh, and it and it's part of our self discovery, right? As we have these tools now that help us to discover who who we are more as we go through these different aspects of our life.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, John, coming coming, uh, touching a little bit on the MBA ASAP. Uh, now, uh, the listeners of this podcast, of course, are uh, you know some of them are considering to do an MBA. Some of them are actually in that position where. They don't know if they should do an MBA or they should focus on the immediate career path or they should do another master's course or maybe uh, something else that they want to do. So now this MBA ASAP, is, is that something that they can actually go and explore or they can actually go and try and experience and get some benefits out of it? Because I have a feeling something like this can actually help them make that decision better.
0: Oh, good. Well, that's, that's what I, that's what I hope to do actually. So, so they make a better, more enlightened decision. And yeah, there's uh, that they could look at my YouTube channel, which is MBA ASAP, um, or go to the website, MBA ASAP.com. And there's lots of materials on there. There's my blog on there. So there's lots of things to read. Um, my podcast, uh, is MBA ASAP, um uh on Udemy I have a course. I'll be doing some more courses on there. It's a corporate finance course. And then on my website and and then uh at JJ Cousins is my Twitter. And on there I just have a lot of uh posts that you can click on any of them and it'll take you to the book page. And I have a book page with about ten books and they can, you know, read a lot of those. The the books are two ninety nine to five ninety nine and they're on every subject from how do you write a patent to negotiations, management and leadership, learn accounting fast, corporate finance, uh, startups, a guide to entrepreneurship. I'm leaving out a few, but just all the different subjects. And hopefully I want to ultimately do all of them. So there's a well-rounded thing, but there's plenty of, uh, of things that people can explore and, uh, for free, you know, go to the YouTube channel and read the blog posts and also, uh, if you sign up for my uh, email list and right on the front page of the website, you just click, you can download three books. One is Understanding Financial Statements, so you understand what a balance sheet, a, a, a cash flow, and an income statement are. And I think that's absolutely key. So that's why I put that as a free download. And then one, it's a, one on uh, startups and entrepreneurship and then one's a glossary of terms for uh, accounting and finance. So, the kind, those kind, of, you get all those for free. And then once you're on the my email list, I send out lots of free material and videos and and uh, discounts on stuff and just all kinds of you know new blog posts, podcasts, everything. So, that that's ways to get sort of into the quickly into the, uh, the community. And yeah, uh, yeah, hopefully that would be is like to test is, is this for me? And then if you say yes, well then you also go into the program with a little bit of knowledge, especially if you didn't study business undergrad and you're coming out of some other course, that's another nice thing. You can come from anything and get an MBA and then use it in that field. Um, and if you don't have those kind of core ideas and concepts about what the heck does finance mean? What is accounting? You know, it's good to get a quick overview. So when you start in day one, you have a little bit of an idea about what to expect.
1: Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> It'll help your
0: learning curve.
1: <laughs> absolutely, and 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 I can really vouch for the fact that John is really approachable. So uh, if you have any questions, um, you can always uh, contact him through any of these means. Um, yeah, please. Uh, we, we actually got uh, speaking like really quickly right after I approached you.
0: Um, yeah, on LinkedIn. So,
1: yeah. Yeah, exactly. So John, I've, I've kept you for more than what I thought I would keep you for, which is which is uh, the the quality of conversation. Uh, the one (laughs) (laughs) the very last question I actually had for you is um, is there anything you wish I had asked you
0: um, you know what? I made a uh, thinking about this over the last couple of weeks. I made a bunch of notes to sort of like as I thought of, oh, I would like to say that, I like, to, you know, have my talking points and all. And, you know, <laughs> I, think, I, think I think we've think pretty much one, hit them I all. Think,
1: I think you're, one of, the, <laughs> you, I think you're the one of the first and probably the only guest who has come prepared <laughs> as to what. Otherwise, usually I'm the one jotting down questions. So I really appreciate that.
0: Oh, thanks. Well, I know, and many times I've done, you know, just where it's like later on, it's like, Oh, I wish I would have said that. And so as I thought of things, I just like to write them down. Yeah, so and, is, there anything, the, is there
1: anything that you think um, that you would like to talk about? Anything that you think we missed out or any parting thoughts?
0: Well, I would just say that this is a, a super exciting time to be alive. And we have all of these tools at our disposal that we can put to use for ourselves. And I encourage everybody to to do that. And so one of the ways is to... I. I I wrote a blog post a while back, and uh, where it was about if you, if you get the business skills, and you get some coding skills. And you can learn all about different computer things now online. There's free coding camp. And even Harvard has that CS50, which is a wonderful computer science starting. You can learn how to code in Java and HTML and CSS and JavaScript and Python and PHP. And once you have those skills, you can actually do things with the computer. So if you had business skills and some computer skills, and then you have something that you love, Whatever that is that you love doing, um, and one of the ways to find that out is: what do you do when you're when you're procrastinating? When you're supposed to be doing something else, the thing that you do that's probably what you should be doing because that's what you love doing, you know. And finding those those three things in like a triangle, right? You have those two support yeah. things: the business skills and the computer skills, and the thing that you love that can be, that can be a career. And right now there's no gatekeepers and everything. It used to be, if you wanted to get on the radio, you'd have to be on a radio network, right? If you wanted to make a record, you'd have to have a record company and have, you know, people put you in the recording studio and, and it would take, and then they'd have to make the records and put them in the stores. Now you just record something on your computer, upload it to iTunes and away, you know, you're going away. If you wanted to write a book before, you'd have to have a book publisher and you'd have to have an editor and they'd have to write, you know, publish the book. All these things were gatekeepers and expenses that kept us from being able to do these things. Those are no longer there. So now we can actually do all these cool things. And I think business schools and an MBA is a great way to help us achieve those kind of things. Give us yeah. the the, tool, the toolkit to do that, whatever it is, do that stuff.
1: Absolutely. I I love your part on, you know, when you're procrastinating, what do you do? So for me at this moment when I'm procrastinating, I actually start learning about sound engineering and (laughs) and sound mixing and editing because of running a podcast. I would have never thought I I would have I I would do that. So yeah, absolutely agreed with that.
0: (laughs) And probably doing the MBA and all has given you more confidence that I can do a podcast. I can figure out how to do this, right? And and that's another thing that it gives you is it gives you skills to break things down into doable chunks and say, I can do it and just march through those, those things instead of being intimidated by the world.
1: Absolutely, no. I completely agree, and and that's what I I find a massive uh, difference in perspective between uh, me and and some other people I, I come across, um, uh, because MBA is not a very not a very popular career option in in Europe and UK, especially when you try to uh, you know go on on a companies or you know, leadership uh, qualities. Uh, but I what I find is the difference is, for example, if I wanted to start this podcast, I just got it started right it it Just gives you it. that confidence to uh, like you said to break it down into manageable pieces because you're like this is this doesn't sound alien anymore it sounds like something that's doable so i think i completely agree that's a very good change in mindset yeah cool john this has been absolutely fantastic talking to you uh oh, really i really appreciate your loved time it. really, <laughs> really appreciate it. your time thanks no worries no worries at all um um, yeah I have I have nothing else to ask you anymore and, and for, if at all you know if, if you guys have any questions for John uh, please feel free to reach across to him on any of the channels I'll list them all in the show notes as well uh, or if you have anything please email me at Avinash at mbhm.com and I'm more than happy to uh, pass across your reference to John
0: uh, uh, you know so that you guys can have a conversation <laughs> well I really appreciate it Avinash thank you so much for having me on
1: no worries John take appreciate care it. Bye-bye.
0: Take care. Talk to you soon. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to The MBA Jam. Now it's time for you to take action. Head over to mbajam.com to listen to more episodes and discover great resources.